welcome to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I am your host Katrina Van Eyck and in today's episode I interview a industry professional who in a short time has gained extensive experience in the aquatic industry. So please extend a big welcome to the podcast for Fiona Stewart. After graduating Learn to Swim lessons, Fiona moved on to a competitive swimming team at the age of 13. Under the guidance of her coach, Rob Moon, Fiona developed her love and appreciation for swimming and shared this with her teammates and the community. Fiona completed her Oswim Teacher of Swimming and Water Safety in 2014 and moved quickly into coaching in 2015 where she has supported local swim teams with their coaching efforts. One of her personal highlights was coordinating and managing a team for the 2012 to 2014 24-hour MS Mega Swims, where participants swim in teams for 24 hours, raising funds for multiple sclerosis. In 2017, Fiona completed her Bachelor of Sports Development and use skills gained to take on management roles, including a current role as swim school manager at Core 24 Health Clubs. Fiona is a strong believer that exercise can be used as a tool to develop individuals and the community for the better. Since retiring from competitive swimming, Fiona has found a passion for triathlon and holistic health. Through today's episode, Fiona shares some insights into her work as well as her thoughts on swimming in Australia and where she sees swimming moving to in the future. Please share what inspiration you draw from Fiona's interview on our Facebook page, Aquatic Mentors, and you'll find her details listed at the end of our show notes. If you want to share your aquatic journey, contact me via my email, regionalswimclinics at outlook.com. That's regional swim clinics at outlook.com, as I know we can learn a lot from your experiences in swimming. So let's jump in and find out more about Fiona's journey in swimming. So Fiona, how did you start your journey in swimming? So my journey in swimming probably started pretty similar to a lot of Aussie kids with a learn to swim pathway. However, both my parents are Irish, so... They, they didn't have the opportunity to grow up and neither of them can swim because they didn't have that growing up. So mum saw that I loved the water and I was a little bit of a water baby when we went camping and in rivers and I think dad probably was the one to expose me to the water. Yeah. But at five they decided, you know, take the plunge, she's in prep, put her in swimming lessons. And then obviously I transitioned from swimming lessons to squad swimming. That was a choice from mine. Mum gave us the choice, me and my sister, whether we wanted to continue swimming or do another after-school activity after we finished the Learn to Swim program. And I (laughs) decided that 4.30am starts were for me. (laughs) So I really decided to do competitive swimming. I guess I was a little bit late in starting. Like I started at 13. So I think about that now and I like, I look at kids and I'm like, wow, like they start at seven, at eight and I started at 13. But I think that might have worked to my benefit. What really kept me in that swimming environment was probably the fact that I was getting bullied in high school. 
And swimming provided me with a safe place with friends and a coach that encouraged me. And it was just, you know, not at all schoolyard drama. It was just a happy, safe place to grow. And I was really never that talented of a swimmer. You know, I was chasing after state and national times, but I really found myself in that space. And from about 15, I decided that I wanted to help facilitate that for other kids. So I started on a teaching, some teaching journey. And from there, I did my Bachelor of Sport Development after high school, moved into coaching. So I did my bronze license coaching course. And I really grew and changed my opinion on swimming from rather competitive side to facilitating water safety, love for water, passion for sport in the swimming aspect. Yeah, that's amazing. What a background to have in it. And to have chosen to go on, like you said, it was your decision, not your parents' decision to then become competitive. I love the Irish accent, so I'm totally jealous that both your parents are. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that you haven't picked it up, that's quite interesting. I like that. I've stayed away from my mum this morning so that I don't sound like it. (laughs) Otherwise, I would, yeah, be... If I spend too much time and I come back with an Irish accent. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. I'm Kiwi and I know I get the same thing. If I talk to my family, I pick it up really quick. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, man, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's interesting what you said about being 13 and coming into it older, but it was a good thing for you. I really like that comment and I think that's something that, you know, it is how kids develop and how they come into it at their age when they're maturely able to be able to deal with that stuff. Yeah, 100%. And even I think with the sport of swimming, I see that kids burn out before that age when they're not physically mature enough to actually reach their potential. So I think that was really a protective factor for my own swimming in the fact that, you know, the girls that I was racing at that 14, 15, they were gone by the time they were 16. They didn't swim anymore. They quit. So I think, you know, starting a little bit later didn't allow me to burn out before I reached a point where I really understood the benefit of it. Yeah, that's perfect. And it is, it is about controlling that burnout for kids and the whole competitiveness of how, you know, when they're young, if they show talent, it can explode out for both the swimmer and the parent. And it's about controlling that for them so they don't burn out. We want to keep kids in the industry for longer and then to be able to turn out like you where they've done competitive swimming and then they're bringing it back and offering it back to other kids in swimming in the industry. I think that's fantastic. And it's a great example of where that burnout can be controlled and and stopped. And they are looking for older swimmers these days. They do understand that. I know when I went to a conference, I think it was under Swimming Victoria. I can't exactly remember, but they talked about that. They talked about kids getting to, you know, 16 and that they're burning out and we're losing that talent and to be able to bring them on later and have them in the sport. Even later, there's a swimmer from WA and I can normally remember her name and right when I need it, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, being 29, 30, still in that sport and still competing at a high level, I think that's fantastic. So good work and to be able to know that early on. 
<laughs> I th think I'm lucky because I lived it, so it's helped. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And so where is it taking you now? You said you went into the swim teaching and facilitating the programs. So at the moment, I manage a swim school. It's a smallish swim school. It fluctuates between 300 and 200 swimmers. Obviously, winter gets a bit harsh with the numbers dropping. And it's a small team of swim teachers as well. And yeah, we run our program out of a 15 metre pool. Yep. And it's heated and it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing that for 18 months, six of which have been in lockdown. So I guess a, a year of practical doing it. And yeah, it's been really great to see the growth from when I started and how I've been able to inject little bits of information or knowledge or perspective and potentially change some things for the better. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I really like that. It is about injecting things into there. And, you know, even if you are in lockdown, like we are, you can still give that wisdom, you can still share it, and you can still be that person. And we spoke before about, about mentoring and how being able to work with your colleagues has given you some real great personal growth as well as helping them and working as a combined unit. Yeah, definitely the teamwork. In my opinion, you're only as strong as your weakest member and that might change depending on the day and how we're feeling but you know we really need to lift each other up and I think we're practicing that a lot during lockdown. <laughs> Perfect that is right we are practicing it we're putting it out there. Well done I love that and you're inspiring more people out there so great. <laughs> Thank you. So from that and your journey in swimming what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? So there's been a lot of lessons that I've learned probably one that stands out is the value of sport beyond high performance. I think that throughout the years, I've really learned that swimming and sport in general can be a tool to develop the whole person rather than just an athlete. I think that, you know, taking that holistic approach is a really key in the development of the community and these swimmers' lives in general and I think it's a little bit special as teachers and coaches that we can be a part of that journey for someone. And at the end of the day, it's teaching swimmers as much as they love swimming and I love swimming. It's something that you do. It's not just who you are. You're more than just a swimmer. You might be a great friend, a great son. There's so much more to you than just one aspect. I really like that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. It's a great point. And it is something that swimmers come out of the sport and athletes come out of all sports thinking that, oh, what do I do now? My whole identity is taken away. And it's something that we're learning in sport in general is that your sport is not your identity to develop something on the side to get to know you and the holistic approach and that's the thing with kids. It doesn't have to be in sport. It can be if they go on to be an accountant or they can go on to be something else. That's not who they are. They're a person underneath that. And I really like that whole holistic side of it. That's a really good point. Thank you. It took years to get there. I always thought swimming was who I was. But, you know, come out another perspective. Years. You are only young. <laughs> have come out with that ready that is amazing there are people that are coming into retirement that still haven't found that so 
That's amazing. You've actually come out with that knowledge so early. It's brilliant. Thank you. (laughs) What has been the highlight of your swimming journey so far? There has been so many highlights, the everyday moments that really make your heart glow when the little swimmer who's terrified of the water decides he wants to put his face in and you're just like, oh my gosh, we've gotten there. Or your squad swimmer who's been training really hard, they get their first PB and they run up to you and they're like, I got a PB. And those moments are really what it's about and it keeps you happy. Another one is my role as swim school manager, getting to see the growth from a whole perspective. That's really rewarding when you look back where it was six months and then where it was a year ago. And then probably a personal highlight that's really close to my heart was participating and being team captain in the 24-hour mega swim. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's a... I don't know, have you heard of the mega swim? Yeah, yep. Mm, Yep, Mine takes part in that. Yeah, the charity swim for MS. It's really special because you get to use swimming as a tool to develop the community and raise awareness. And it's not at all about who's the best swimmer and who swims the fastest. I think there was an award for that for a 100-metre sprint or something. Yeah. But I got to, at 16, get different squad members involved from different clubs and we were all on one team and we relayed it off. And that was just really special. Wow, what a commitment at 16 to be able to put that in. And like you said, develop the community. And that's something we spoke about earlier is to be able to swing is not just developing a swimmer, it's developing a community, especially out in rural areas. To be able to do that at 16 and get a team together and go for 24 hours when fatigue sets in, (laughs) you've got to continue to encourage everyone. That's an amazing highlight. I think that's fantastic. Great work. Thank you. It was pretty funny. I like to still look back at the boys who decided they wanted to do the overnight shift. And I think by 2am when I decided that they were all swimming too slow and it was time to do some sprints to wake up, they wished I went home. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Hard task, Musk. <laughs> I think they were actually, like I wasn't bullying them into it. I think they were actually scared I was overtired and going to cry if they didn't do it. <laughs> Oh, women's intuition. We've got to use it when we can. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's brilliant. And all those highlights you've had, especially with the questions you've answered, you can see that you've taken it both from a swim teacher's point of view, but also a coach's. And then you've brought your management role into that as well. And for yourself, as we were talking before, it's a holistic point of view. So you can see it from every angle and that means those kids are, that you know you swim teach but also your staff teach are going to get that influence from such a young age to then how what you teach relates to what a swimming club does and how we can then bring them on to swimming. So I think that's absolutely fantastic and that's something I can quite clearly see in what you're saying. Oh, thank you. The only the only one I haven't done is the role of the parent yet, but <laughs> it is time. <laughs> there's time for that yet don't worry that's it but that's another perspective that I can then throw into the mix <laughs> yeah yeah that's it <laughs> good luck to that teacher that has your kids <laughs> oh I know I'll be sending the, the husband <laughs> to the lessons yeah. then yeah that's right 
Oh, love it. But no, that's good. And that's it. It's a role that can come in. You definitely get another point of view to it. But it's a good point of view. Yeah, I can see that the teachers that are parents, how well they can relate to the other parents in the water. And I'm like, oh, I don't quite have that yet, but I will. (laughs) (laughs) So was there anyone that played a big role in your swimming journey? There's been a lot of people, different colleagues, different bosses. So someone who played a real big role in my swimming and who I am now, my philosophy, has been Rob Moon. So he was that first coach who really created that safe place for me to grow and love the sport. He really taught me the true value of swimming and that it was more than just making an Olympic team or just swimming at nationals or just winning a medal. It was the dedication and the resilience and the teamwork that you can develop through swimming. Wow, that's <laughs> to be able to do it as a coach, that's fantastic. And it is someone that we connect with. Yeah, yeah. Another one, obviously my parents who put me into lessons from a practical and emotional sense, they've been there the whole way. So that's another huge mentor. I take on aspects of both of them in the way that I do things. And also my now fiance, Todd, We grew up going to the same school and our school, I wouldn't say it's a particularly sporty school. So when we got into year 12, as we were both pretty academic, not all our teachers encouraged our participation and competitiveness in sport. And he was into cycling and I was into swimming. So they were both kind of niche. Our school really cared about footy, if that. But through his encouragement and help, we really kept it going and I probably would have potentially given up competing during that year and may not have found my way back if it wasn't for him. Wow. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) And it is that the, the influence our partners can have on us to be able to stick to something. And like you said, both very niche sports, not your mainstream sport. So to be able to get out there, they both take dedication the sports mm-hmm. that you do on your own back and not in a, a team environment as the main definition of a team environment. So it does take that knowledge and then understanding what you're each going through to be able to push yourselves to get in there and to get up, like you said, at 4.30 in the morning and go to training while you're doing your 12 and studying and all the pressures that come as you become into an adult and turn into an adult. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And even encouraging each other academically like no doubt he's smarter than me but we're both really determined and we challenged each other both like oh did you get up at four this morning yeah yeah I'd be like oh what'd you get on this assignment and so it was a little bit of spurring each other on in that sense and it was just a really nice again balance really really good to have that's cool and I like how you've drawn aspects and out of all of your mentors out of all different people so you know whether it be your colleagues your coach your parents and your fiance that bring totally different aspects to it and that's really good you've taken and that that is the role of the mentor or the advisor is that you take out out of them what works for you you may not want to become that person but you've taken out something of them that you know, it has worked for you, you can develop it and make it your own. So I really like how you've taken them from all different areas of life. 
100%. And it doesn't even need to be in your sport. Like it's really good to have that. But sometimes that outside perspective that they can relate is really helpful as well. Yeah. And I wonder if that's something we can draw on, especially as you know, more elite athletes can use of connecting with other sports and, you know, drawing out a them, their athletes and what they do and how they use their skills and their time can improve what they do as well. So it'd be interesting to know, you know, if that connection's there and how much they draw on it. Yeah, that's great. And even like the fact that they wouldn't have to compete, like they don't compete with these people. So they might be a bit more forthcoming with how they recover or how they do their mindset stuff because the one percenters don't matter to someone in a different sport. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to connect on that same level when they're not competitors. We're not, not competing against each other. It does make a difference. You're not having that extra influence on it. So, what a, yeah, great point. I like that. So, as a manager and as someone who's done such a, a lot in their lifetime already, what's the best bits of advice that you'd give to a new swim coach or teacher coming out in, your, in the industry? So the main part of advice is to enjoy the process. It's the little wins that add up and make it such a rewarding job. Yeah, that's probably a really big part of the job is the process of getting the kids from A to B. It's not once they're there, it's those little milestones. Another one that Rob told me when I was a swimmer is to leave your personal issues at the door. So the kids deserve the best you, every single lesson as much as possible and not to let anything traffic or anything negatively affect the lesson that you're delivering. It's really great advice. And I think something that's popped up over all the podcast interviews I've done is that you have to have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. If you're stuck in the water for a couple of hours at a time, you've got to be passionate about it. And you're one-on-one with people, you're, you know, especially kids. Kids can, I mean, I've got three of my own and homeschooling's definitely just taken it out of me. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got to be able to be willing and put up with kids and get in there. And I think it actually brings that out in people. And I think it's industry where that's going to be specific. So if you don't fit in it, if you haven't got the passion, then it'd be quite a hard industry to work in. But when you do have that passion and that skill, you can can actually go far and make such a big difference. And your second point there about, you know, leaving a person who she's behind and they deserve the best you, it is right. They come to spend half an hour with you. They don't need to know. Kids don't understand, you know, what you've gone through as a person. And I I know I've spoken about this before, but for me, it's about coming in and having that persona and you know, you walk in that front door and okay, now I'm going to be the bubbly me that is going to be having fun and smiling and joking and oh, hey kids, how you going? I'm really interested in what you did and how was your weekend where in your own head you can be going, oh, I've got all these bills to pay. I don't actually care what these kids have done, all these parents, but, but to be able to go in and make them feel wanted and make them feel valued, it just means that those kids and that staff are getting that connection with you and they're going to come out. They may have had a crap day too, they can walk out and go, oh, actually, someone respects me and values me and I am doing really well. That's it. And even, like, I've found I've had some of the worst days and sometimes I've just needed to jump in the pool and swim teach and I get out and I'm happy. 
And so because you've forgotten, uh, and I guess maybe mentally over the years, I've actually trained myself to leave it outside of the pool. And by the time I have gotten out of the pool, I've forgotten what I was mad about or I am still, you know, a little bit annoyed, but like I don't really care as much because I've just had three hours of fun with kids. <laughs> I love that. That's it. It is just about leaving it behind and then forgetting that a lot of the time. And, you know, they say that with water and water is therapy. Yeah, I know I can be mulling over something and it seems like the world's biggest problem and I do a couple laps in the pool I've either solved it or gone actually that's not as bad as I thought you know you can move on so I think that's really true and kids have that effect on us as well because they are just that crazy you haven't got time to (laughs) think about that stuff (laughs) yeah you're too busy thinking about where Johnny's going and where the noodles are and rather than the bills that we've got to pay all the traffic (laughs) that's it exactly right (laughs) So for you, going into the future and as we come out of COVID in Victoria, what does swimming look like for you in the future? So I think it's going to be a little bit different post-COVID. I think it's definitely going to change swimming and I really hope it's going to change swimming for the better. I really hope to see that learn to swim is promoted as a life skill rather than just an afternoon activity or just a sport. I really want it to see as a non-negotiable life skill, especially in Australia. I think we're definitely going in the right direction with the education guidelines that have come in for primary school students and things like that. But I think, especially after COVID, finances might come into play a little bit. So I really, really hope Learn to Swim, not get separated from competitive swimming, but I hope it gets put under things like surf life-saving and other aquatic sports so that it's that life skill that will, yes, save lives, but also provide pathways into more than one sport. Yeah, and I really like that point of view. It is a life-saving skill and something that's come up a lot in this podcast of the fact that having that skill and that confidence in the water then can lead into lots of other sports. And Jason Helwig from CEO Swim Victoria last week spoke about that, about, you know, the, the swimming mansion and how we can open up the door so we learn to swim, but then we can show them the ways to water polo, all different areas of swimming. There's so many different areas out there. And, yeah, I do really like that connection, but it also is a life-saving skill. And I think especially in Victoria, that's something that's now coming out because of the fact that there has been a number of drownings already and as we are still stuck in lockdown, we are getting that word out there that it is a life-saving skill that needs to be opened up and developed. So it is a point that we need to work on and then from there we can show them those how interesting the other sports can be and how shiny they can be to get involved in, which I think is really, really good. Yeah, I think it's a good perspective. And as a swimmer myself, I'd love them to go into competitive swimming, but it might not suit everyone. And if they could do water polo, like you said, or like surf lifesaving, even things like diving or kayaking, any aquatic activity, it really benefits the population as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it, being able to get out in the outdoors and and do a sport or even indoors for an indoor pool and that it's something that they can get out and they can clear their mind, they can be healthy and happy while they're doing it. 
And you point out as well, you know, with the fact of costs, and that's something that's happening in other states, is that people are now starting to realise that, yes, we're out of COVID in certain areas, but, you know, can we afford swimming lessons? And we need to be able to, you know, have them affordable, but understand that this is going to be another huge impact that we have because of the effects of COVID. Um, and it may be a lag effect that it can take some time before that gets rectified and, you know, people are back to normal. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're on the right path. I saw you on the news the other night. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was brilliant. But I think the advocacy work that, you know, you guys are doing is really amazing and that's probably one of the first steps to our recovery for our industry. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it is a double-edged sword. It is the fact that we're having to do it because there are drownings and the industry is shut. But then on the other side, I look at it as, well, it's probably the most publicity our industry's probably had in a while. So to be able to get that out there and do what I can, do what other people, you know, there's so many amazing people are doing stuff. We can put that out there. It is coming into people's front of mind. They are starting to think about that stuff and that we are not just in it for swimming lessons and the, the, the money behind it. There is that main factor that if they are not safe, then we are going to have those drowning deaths and, you know, we're going to lose people, whereas swimming lessons can make you safe and have confidence and have fun in the water. Yeah, that's it. But what other afternoon activity can actually save your life? <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, other sport, look, I love sport. But it is that, what can soccer do to save your life? What can, as much as I love rugby being a Kiwi, what can rugby do to save your life? What can AFL do? It's entertainment, but is it life-saving? That's it. So I've been loving your points and your aspects over what you've spoken about. And I'm really keen to find out what you think as individuals and as an industry, how we can promote and develop Learn to Swim and the competitive swimming to encourage those participants, but to be able to do that all with less funding? So obviously the less funding makes it a bit of a tricky question. So we've really got to work with what we've got and what we've got is people in the industry and people in the sport. So we've got to retain them from a learn to swim program into then say a squad or another water activity and really ingrain the love and the passion in both of those areas and grow them as people and then show them where you can go from there. Show them that you can go work as a swim teacher or a lifeguard or a swimming coach. There's all these different pathways and they, you know, potentially don't even end at swim teacher. Like you can then go on to an infants teacher or, you know, work with kids with disabilities or work with adults or, use your marketing skills and promote swim schools. There's different avenues that we can use the people who are already in swimming to do it. And then we keep them in the grassroots. And I think it's a little bit of a cycle where we want them to end or not even end, but we want them to then, you know, go off and do their own thing, maybe in their own time, but always have that positive experience when they think of swimming and when they think of their time or their childhood or early 20s in the industry, and then when they have kids, guess where they're going? In to learn to swim. <laughs> I love it, and that is exactly it. 
It is about making that positive experience, that positive impact that, yeah, they're your swimmers or they're your current staff, that you can then develop them and help them, well, help them develop into something else that they can specialise. You have a prime example of this. You've gone through learn to swim. You've gone through competitive. And then thanks to your coach and the influence that, you know, those around you have had, you've gone into swim teaching, coaching, and also centre management. So you're a prime example of what we want, that people are giving back to their sport. You know, whether it is grassroots level that you learn to swim, you go into local events in your town, and then, you know, you become a swim teacher or coach or however you go, like you said, with marketing, like you said, with sports management. There's so many aspects of it. And that's one thing I really want to bring out with this podcast is it's not just swimming, swim teaching, swim coaching. There's lifeguards, there's surf life saving. You can be competitive in all those areas. You can then be a sports administration. You can become the CEO or the marketing manager or the training manager of an industry. And I think that's it. But it is about having that positive experience when they're young to then entice them back and then have their kids come back into it later you're building generation on generation into the into the industry. Yeah, and it doesn't really cost much because it's using what we've got and it's the job of every single person who's in the industry now. Whether you've just started as a swim teacher, well, guess what? Those kids, you're creating that positive experience for them. Like it's our role every single day that we can do something to help grow swimming. That is it. It is down to just anyone and everyone in the industry to to promote it and develop it. And that's something, you know, that I've found and of the other episodes that have come through, it's something that's really been prominent, especially lately in the last few, that it's up to us. We can't sit there and wait for the governing bodies to do it or for your head training bodies to do it. We can do it ourselves. We have the passion for the sport. So why aren't we promoting it and spreading it and letting people know how great it is? That's it. That's it. We can, you know, we can all do it now. We can all start. So it's it's not the big solution, but it's something we can, every single person can do. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. It can be an individualized solution. I mean, if you and I did that and another hundred swim teachers in Australia and Victoria did it, how much of an impact would that then bring on the industry? And then they might inspire others to do it. And then it all flows on from there. So one little step, can start a movement. Don't underestimate yourself. <laughs> let's start the movement. Let's let's do it. <laughs> this is brilliant. Well, everyone, you've heard on this episode, we're starting a movement. <laughs> Soon teaching and putting out those positive experiences and vibes and generating the interest in our sport. That's it. That's it. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Good work. Well, I think the wisdom that's come out of your experiences and your perspective is beyond your years. And I think that's absolutely fantastic that someone your age can see that and have that wisdom and then to be able to bring it to your staff and your kids that are in the pool with you. I think your swim school is very lucky to have you. Um, You are an asset to swimming. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Your views here have been great. And I would love to hear what people think about what you've said, how we can expand on that and and really generate such a a positive experience in our industry and our sport. Oh, thank you so much. That really, you know, warms my heart. And, And thank you for bringing us this podcast. I know it's been 
a, a little glimmer of hope in my in my Melbourne lockdown weeks the last few months so you know thank you so much for everything you're doing for the sport as well oh thank you I'm glad I've been able to be a, a glimmer of hope I, no, I love it I feel like we're friends <laughs> <laughs> people will know me before they even met me this is brilliant I love it <laughs> as my husband would say poor buggers um, <laughs> no it's great that's great I, I'm so glad that I can be there for people to be able to you know, learn and experience this stuff and give them hope and give them the passion back in the industry that when we come out and for those that have already come out that, you know, hopefully it's then generating them to be able to give back and remember while they're in it. And yeah, be happy to get jump back in and get involved and make a difference in these lives. That's it. And that's what it's all about, making that difference in someone's life. If, if it's one kid, then amazing. If it's a hundred, even better. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. Oh, well done. Thank you so much. Thank you.